Well, hey there. My name is Darcy Jeremy. I'm a board-certified professional ergonomist, and you are here at this podcast I like to call it the Business of Ergonomics Podcast. Um, this is the first episode, so I really wanted to get into why I wanted to design this platform for discussion like this. And this is not going to be me every time talking to the microphone, although I know you do love this voice. Um, this is going to be an area for ergonomics professionals who are in the field out there serving customers and clients and positioning their services in a way that attracts their ideal clients and the outcome of that, you getting paid and profitable and towards your six income revenue, six income business that I know that you really desire. This is the framework that I've used to attract the clients that I've been working with. And it's something that I wish that I had when I was in my undergrad starting off. And a lot of this stuff um, is something that um, I think will do a lot of good to the profession. So on that side, I want to jump into what I want to talk about in this episode. This episode is we're going to be giving really common sense perspectives to how to get more clients and get more money, all these things as ergonomists that we want. So today I want to talk about the idea that only people who have a certain level of qualification can really be out there doing ergonomics assessments and consultations and trainings and serving their clients. Because this is a really big misconception I see about people who want to get into doing um, into helping people with ergonomics. And yes, let me stop you right there. I know that ergonomics isn't a health profession, uh, a regulated health profession, I should say. Um, personally, I'm a board-certified professional ergonomist uh, through the BCPE. Um, I have a Master's of Science in Ergonomics and a Bachelor of Kinesiology in, um, a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology, I should say. But I find that um, compared to other regulated health professions, there's this very, very, very low barrier for entry to ergonomics. And that can be thought of a really good thing or a really bad thing. So you have this almost open market for, I guess, anyone who has an interest in serving their clients with ergonomics to get in. Now, don't get me wrong. I thought getting into this, getting into the ergonomics field, I thought this was a really bad thing at first because, I mean, I had a board certification. I have been re working really hard to get my skills to a certain level. But then there is these other people who I felt maybe weren't as qualified coming in and stealing companies. Well, first, my friends, I want to break that um, that thought process right there, because that is what I like to call a scarcity mindset. Um, yes, the scarcity mindset, having that mindset for growth, having the mindset that there is abundance and opportunity everywhere based on your skill set and how you want to um, serve your clients. So that's the first thing I want to talk about with that solution, that 
just because ergonomics isn't a regulated health profession, yes, it does mean that anyone who has an interest and is confident and competent, that's a big thing, competent in doing ergonomics assessments and consultations and trainings can do it. But it's not a negative thing for everyone. On the flip side of that, yeah, let's talk about the flip side of that. There's those already competent ergonomics assessors or consultations, and they're under the impression that you have to have more training. They always have to have this one more thing before they get started doing their own business. And I get it. Business is, um, it, it can seem like it's a big nut to crack and there's always something to do, but um, if you're, and there's this thing, it's called the, um, it has to do with knowledge and it has to do with putting stuff together. And there's this thing called, uh, it's going to be really, I'm going to find it really hard to call it out right now. And as soon as I move on from doing this podcast recording, I'll probably think of it. Um, but there's this thing when you're really super conf- confident or sorry, when you're really competent at one skill, the, um, I guess the confidence can kind of dwindle. And then on the reverse of that, those that are very, very uh, confident may have less competence. So there's this fine balance. But for those that are competent wanting to start an ergonomics business and sell their services, they're saying that the only way of being competitive at ergo means that you need to have a PhD to do it. And that is such a limiting belief. It's, it's absolutely not. So most PhDs are usually an expert on just one little thing in ergonomics. But what your clients is, and this is a huge mindset, huge reframe, that most of your clients want a guide, uh, someone who can help them and solve their problems and connect them with the solution. They don't need the big book learning words, as I like to call it. They want someone to solve their problem. So let's get through that first mind shifts change right now. If you're listening to the Business of Ergonomics podcast, I'm going to go out and I'm going to guess that you are probably competent at doing ergonomics. Um, And it's just putting yourself out there, putting yourself into that kind of fear situation that's been holding yourself back from getting going. Well, I want to take a step into this episode today. And I want to dive into, I guess, one step that can really set you apart. And it's about how to position your services. And this is something that I was never taught in school. Positioning your services in a way that your clients want, need, and desire. So you're basically putting your, your services on a, on a spoon and feeding it to your client. And your client's like, hey, this is what we needed. And there's a couple of ways that you can go uh, across doing this. Um, I like to break down my services into three major gaps. So uh, three major areas. And that is uh, trainings. So when you're going out to a client and you're going to be training their workplace or their um, perhaps a few people, there's so many different ways that this can work. So I'll get into the details later. But what you want to do here, you're going and you are training. You're going up on in front of um, 
in a room with maybe some PowerPoint presentation slides, and you are going to transfer your knowledge of ergonomics in a way that those people sitting in that room will understand for an outcome that those people are going to be avoiding risks and pains in the office. I'm specifically talking about office ergonomics, but this can be to any aspect of ergonomics. Of course, there's with each of these services that you offer, there's going to be a different implication of the positivity of the results or the effectiveness. So um, office uh, presentations or trainings, they have, in my opinion, a pretty low barrier to entry for your client to come in at price-wise, but they're probably not going to be the most effective in all the services that we have. However, the one I think that I really, really like about, about offering trainings to your client is that it's a way to get your foot in the door and share your other ex, um, expertise and services with them. Um, so that alone will put you miles ahead. Let's move into one of the other services that your clients already need, want, and desire, and that is consulting. Now, consulting is where you go in and you may solve one particular situation or um, provide a solution to a client to put out the fire. And I've done this before in a number of areas. The number one thing that I've done is um, I've come in and I've um, done a lot of return to work consultations. I've also, so a return to work consultation is when you go with um, usually a company's HR and you discuss how to accommodate that injured worker back to work as, as quickly and as safely as possible. Because in most cases, when you're bringing someone back to work, you need to have functional abilities from their training practitioner. You have the functional abilities, you can figure out the functional abilities are for that job, and you're figuring out if it's a match and if it's not a match, what recommendations should they have in place so you can have a safe and effective return to work. That is huge. That is a huge cost savings for a company because um, if you know anything about workers' compensation, if that worker is off work for any period of time, the cost of that claim exponentially increases. And that's just not for one year. That's for a number of years that this is carried on the company's books. So you providing an effective way that that company can stop the progression of that workers' compensation claim, bring that person back to work, is a huge value add. There's a pretty high barrier of entry now because that company needs to have an expertise to know that this is the value that you can bring in. Um, but it also has a really high effectiveness to it. So it gets a lot done. Um, and I'm going to be talking about how these services work together, but I'm going to start here. So how this works together, a really good way, a really good way to start a relationship with a company is offering um, a training presentation. You get in, you get, uh, you have an area to discuss your other services with the uh, HR contact. It's probably going to be an HR contact you talk with. Um, and then once you get your foot in the door with that client, th this is where you can start to offer those consulting pieces. So I had mentioned 
return to work meetings. I've also consulted um, to various clients about the types of equipment they should be bringing into the first place to make sure that they're making good purchases for their staff and they're being proactive and preventing poor ergonomics and ergonomics risk factors from getting into that company in the first place. So that's huge. It really is. And I hope that you're starting to see how these services work together and build upon each other um, and both effectiveness, barriers for entry. The next thing I want to talk about is this thing that I feel has a very high level of effectiveness, but also a very high level of uh, barrier of entry, which prevents uh, or or maybe it uh, limits the effectiveness of ergonomics and it makes employers think that ergonomics is always these really complicated, complex, timely um, things that they don't want to put into place because they don't have time for that. Well, let's bring it back a second here. And based on like just pure statistics, most workplaces will have an ergonomics-related muscle strain or strain, musculoskeletal injury, workers' uh, work-related musculoskeletal disorder, wherever you are in this world. Most companies, if they haven't had a workers' compensation uh, claim related to that yet, it's purely just a matter of time. So them not looking to ergonomics as uh, just getting connected with someone who does ergonomics before and take a look at their 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 staff proactively is doing an incredible disservice to their staff and us as ergonomists i feel that we're doing an incredible disservice to our profession and those people out there working because they're going to be getting injured um, in the office so the last yet most expensive service that you can offer your clients is what i like to call ergonomics assessments, one-on-one ergonomic assessments. And of course, there's so many variations of a one-on-one ergonomic assessment. You can do long ones, short ones, with report, without report. Um, There's different ways that you can identify who needs ergonomics assessments. But the thing is, for a full report one-on-one ergonomics assessment, these are the most expensive types of um, service offerings because they require the most report. Not only do you have the travel time to get to that customer's workplace, to complete the one-on-one assessment, figure out what's going on in that workplace, and then go back home and or back to your office um, and write that report, it's going to take, it may take more than a couple hours for that whole process to get through. And that's just for one person. Now, think about how that would be for an entire workplace, an entire office, doing that for every person. Of course, you're going to be saving the travel time, but the point is that these are the most time-consuming, therefore, they're the most costly uh, ergonomics service offerings. But on this, and related to that, they're also the most effective because you're giving that specific client a lot of value. However, that value is not going to be uh, circulated to the rest of the employees. It's just for that one particular concern, that one person. But, um, I mean, I've been in situations before when I've had um, 
almost my whole years of billing in one or two quarters because I've had so many of these one and one office ergonomic um, assessments. They're huge. Like they're huge. It's a really good use of my time. And I've been able to um, really get this down to a science and how I complete the process and how I uh, finish a report as fast as possible. I have swipe files. I have templates. I make it as fast as possible because when it comes to, and I'll get into this in another episode, but when it comes to pricing your service and the profitability of your services, one way to get more profitable is making sure you're as efficient and effective as possible getting those reports done. But that's for another time. I'm just talking about today is how to position your services outside the realm of just the one-on-one ergonomic assessment that ergonomics has kind of come to know, be known for um, and alternative ways. So you have that foundation of a one-on-one ergonomics assessment and you're positioning that in a way that your um, ideal client or your customer, they're attracted to because they already need, want, and desire those services. Um, so in this episode, I talked about the three services that I offer hands down, this allows me to bridge the gaps and offer enough for me to get um, and serve and position my my stuff in a way that attracts my ideal customers. These are um, one-on-one office ergonomic assessments, which has a really high barrier entry and um, it. On the other side, it's very effective. I have the other thing that I do is um, consultations. And the last thing that I do is trainings and mismatching that and using a part and an element of all of those and kind of slicing and dicing and offering it as the service offers and offerings that you have and your business is what's going to make you a successful ergonomics business and is going to be a way that you can set yourself apart from the other types of businesses that are out there and make you get closer to those goals of a six revenue business. So I'm going to leave it here for the first episode. I recorded this in all one shot, um, but I really wanted to get this information out there and having my podcast perfect was always a fallacy I had to prevent me from getting my podcast out there. So this is why I'm doing it this way. And I hope that you've stuck around this far. And I hope you understand that what I was trying to do with this. So on that point, I'm going to leave it. My name is Darcy Jeremy. My business is called ergonomicshelp.com. You can come check me out. I help professional ergonomists get to their next level. And I'll see you in the next podcast. Cheers. Bye-bye.